Today's scripture is Matthew 10, 24 through 33. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very heads of your hairs are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. For, for, for a lot of people, one of the, the more troubling tenets, teachings of Christianity is this notion that there, there's a judgment that awaits every person at the end of his or her life. And that is the clear teachings of, of the scriptures, of, of the Bible. Um, it's not that there is one judgment that every single person will appear at at the same time. The Bible actually describes multiple judgments. Uh, and it's not you know, my purpose this morning to, to teach through those different judgment days. Uh, there is a, there's a judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat. Uh, there's the judgment of the nations. Sometimes that's called the sheep and the goats, if you've ever heard of that. Uh, the great white throne judgment. Um, when Jesus returns, the second coming it could be called Judgment Day, which is even a separate event. Uh, for the purposes of, of our time this morning, it's sufficient for me to simply state that it is the clear teaching of the Bible that every single person who is alive today will, at some point in the future, stand before the God of the universe and be judged. Each of us will stand at a judgment day. Now that being said, before I say anything else, I want, to, I want you to hear this. The Bible is also just as clear that the purpose of that judgment, where we will have our behavior judged, what we have done in this life will be judged. Our motives will be judged. Our works, our actions. The purpose for having those things judged will not be to determine like who passes the test and makes it into heaven and who fails the test and passes into eternal judgment, what's usually called hell. That's not the purpose of having our lives, our actions, our behaviors judged. Like if you're better than most people, you'll pass that test. Not, not at all. The Bible's clear. What you have done with Jesus Christ determines whether or not you like, get into heaven, spend eternity with God or apart from God. What you do with the person of Jesus Christ and the judgment he endured 
determines whether where you will spend eternity and it also determines which of those judgments I just mentioned you will appear at. Because those who have in their lives responded to the gospel, believed that when and asked God that let Jesus' punishment be served for me, those people will pass to eternal life and they will still stand in judgment though and have their lives, their works, their behaviors judged. And in that judgment, that, that judgment will determine we will, people will be fairly rewarded. I don't know for sure what that looks like. But for things that, that, that you have done in your life in the name of Jesus, for other people in his name, faithful things you have done, you'll be rewarded for. And, and we, will, we will lose reward and at least lose the opportunity for reward for, for areas in which we, we have failed. And on the other hand, those who do not know Jesus as Savior, that will spend eternity apart from Him. We've talked a couple times lately. They won't have equal punishment in eternity. Come back in a couple of weeks. We'll talk about that again. The, they will have their life judged and the severity of their eternity apart from God will be determined in judgment. And that idea... That there's a God of judgment above this world is really unpalatable for a lot of people. I, you hear things like this sometimes. I don't believe in a God of judgment. My God is a God of love. It's uncomfortable and it's scary. For people to think about standing before, before God in, in judgment. But in today's passage that, that Jerry read for us this morning, Jesus is going to give us a, a little different look at judgment day. According to Jesus today, what he tells us about judgment, he never says the words like judgment day or great white throne or any of these things that I mentioned, but he alludes to judgment that's coming, and it's in a much more positive sense. He doesn't say, listen, the Bible says judgment is coming, so you better make your peace with it. Although, I mean, seriously, that might be enough. He doesn't say, you just better just be okay with it, try not to think about it. He says, judgment should be an encouraging thing for the Christian. The fact that all people are going to stand before God in judgment should be encouraging. And rather than making us more afraid, it should actually take away fear. Three times in this passage today, Jesus says, do not be afraid. Where we pick up today, and he's just told him some really scary stuff. He's talking to his disciples. The beginning of chapter 10, this was two weeks ago sermon-wise. He got his 12 closest disciples together. He said, I'm going to send you out to do ministry work in my name for the first time. And no sooner did he tell them he was sending them out, than he starts to tell them, and by the way, when you go out in my name and start telling people I'm the king, and then he starts listing a whole bunch of bad things that can happen to people. He said, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. 
So people are going to hate you. You might be attacked from inside your own family. Your kids might turn against you. Your parents, your brothers, your friends, religious people, government entities. Expect, Jesus said. If you're going to live life on mission for Jesus, expect hardship, anger, hatred, opposition, persecution. In our first two verses today, Jesus tells us why we should expect that. He says it this way, because a disciple's not greater than his teacher, a slave's not greater than his master. Basically, in these two verses, here's what Jesus says. Um, if you are going to be my disciple, being a disciple means you're with someone in order to become like that person. If you're going to follow me, Jesus said, if you're going to become more like me, and people reject me, and they're going to arrest me, and they're going to humiliate me, and they're going to beat me, and they're going to execute me, and you become like me, what should you expect? If they call me Satan, Beelzebul, I won't go into the entomology of the word, that's a nickname for Satan in this passage. People have already begun looking at Jesus' power in his life and saying, well, sure, he's powerful, but he's fighting for the wrong side. He's using devil magic to do his miracles. He said, if they say that about me and you become like me, what should you expect? That's why Jesus says we can expect what he told us last week to expect. But now before we really get started, this is a serious question. I want you to ask yourself or see if you can answer. Why should we be willing to put up with all the stuff that comes with living life like as a, as a walking advertisement for Jesus? Our whole sermon last week, we went through a whole bunch of things that Jesus said. I've mentioned them already. Bad stuff that could come your way if you live your life for Jesus. If I'm going to heaven based on my faith in him, isn't it just too scary to actually live life on mission for him? What serious question, why should we be willing to go through what Jesus told us to expect in the passage right before what we read this morning? You know what the one word answer to that is? judgment. Jesus knows what his disciples are thinking. He's just said, guys, I'm going to send you out there. You tell people I'm the king. Ask them if they'll accept me and make me, you know, their king. uh, But, uh, you know, everybody's going to hate you. And immediately they start going, oh, I'm not so sure about this. Why should we, why should we do that? Jesus, and then he tells them today's passage. The reason you should do that is because of judgment. Judgment not only, um, well, judgment can be an encouraging concept for the Christian. Judgment takes away fear, judgment emboldens Christians to live for Jesus. He said three times today in today's passage, Jesus said, Don't be afraid of what people can do to you if you live for me. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the judgment is coming. We see today 
There's three do not fears. We're going to look at them one at a time. These are three reasons why judgment can be a comforting, encouraging thought for the believer in Jesus Christ. We start those in verses 26 and 27 where Jesus gives us the first reason why we shouldn't be afraid today because there's a judgment coming. He says it this way. He says, don't fear not, don't be afraid. Everything's going to be revealed. He says it this way, verse 26 and 27. Do not be afraid of them, people who can be mean to you if you live for me. Don't be afraid of them, for nothing is hidden that will not be revealed, nothing secret that won't be made known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, what's whispered in your ear, proclaim in the house. Let me see if you can relate to something I'm going to describe right now. Have you ever found yourself in a situation, maybe it's in your work, maybe it's in your family or your extended family, maybe it's at school, it's on your team, it's in wherever, but somebody has begun talking about you in a way you don't approve of, somebody's lying about you, or you're in a conflict and somebody is telling, actively going around telling their side of the story that you don't agree with, and you know it's not the full truth. Is there a part of you inside that goes, I've got to get out in front of this story. I I need to go tell everybody that's involved, everybody that's important, I need to go tell them my side of the story because they need to believe the truth. If I don't do something, they're not going to believe the truth. They're going to believe lies about me, and I don't want that to happen. Seriously. Seriously. Can we all, can you, have you all been there? You all felt that whether you acted on it or not? Today, Jesus says the coming judgment is what tells us that's really not a problem ultimately. You go out into the world and live for Jesus. Don't be afraid of them. Even Jesus just said they're going to hate you. They're going to lie about you. They're going to arrest you. They're going to flog you. But he said, nothing is hidden that's not going to be revealed. There's nothing that's secret now that's not going to be made known then. When? At the judgment. Because you and everyone you know are headed for a judgment, here's what you can know. Whatever situation you are in, whatever people are saying about you, whatever conversation is going on, here's what you can know. Eventually and eternally. What is 100% true will be 100% known by 100% of the people involved and they will 100% admit and accept what's absolutely true. Do you know what that means? That means you do not have to try and control what people believe about you right now. You think about this. If you are in that situation I just described right now, like at your job, at your school, at your whatever, and, and God sent you the email and said, God just appeared to you. Hey, I just want you to know, I'm going to show up at work on Tuesday, and I'm going to show a video that shows everybody what really happened. How much easier would you sleep between now and next Tuesday? You'd be like, oh. Everybody's going to know. I don't have to do damage control. I don't have to talk to this person and ask what they heard from that person. I don't have to do any of that because it's all going to be made known. That's the situation. 
That's what Jesus just told us. There's nothing secret that's not going to be made known. That frees us up from having to control what you think about me and how you heard that news and what did you tell and what did you hear and what it, here's what I have to do. Live with integrity, live faithfully, live for Jesus Christ and eventually, if I'm where, when I have done that, that will be made known. And every single person involved in whatever situation it is will absolutely admit that what is true is true. Bad guys believing bad information is a temporary problem. Amen? And what that should motivate in me is fearless behavior. And the fearless behavior Jesus describes in verse 27. He tells his 12 disciples, when we've been together in private and I teach you stuff privately, there's just 13 of us and probably more than that, but in our small group, you go fearlessly proclaim that in public. What I whisper in your ear, you shout from the rooftops. The fearless behavior that Jesus is talking about, because everything will be made known, this is our private time with Jesus. Right? He didn't show up like bodily. But when we, when we read his word, when we study his word, what he puts in our hearts, we live fearlessly by that. Because we know in the judgment, it doesn't matter what anybody says about me right here, down here, if I live according to this, if I live for him, that's going to be made plain. And, and I'm no longer going to care a whit about what anybody said about me in the meantime. Don't be afraid to live for Jesus. Don't be afraid of people, even though they will hate you, make fun of you, tell lies about you, question your motives. Oh, all they can care about is money. Oh, that whole Christianity thing is just a power trip. Oh, they think they're the only ones that have truth. Whatever it is, you just keep your purpose clear, your motives pure. Live for the Lord, and then the judgment, it, it will all be revealed. That's reason number one. Judgment can be a comforting thought to believers. Reason number two comes in verse 28 where Jesus says, don't be afraid because no one can hurt you ultimately. He says it this way, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. I've said this a hundred times, I'll keep saying it. Biblically speaking, death is always a what? Come on, I say this a lot. Please make me feel good and say it out loud. Death is always a what? It's a separation. Okay, death is never annihilation where something ceases to exist. Death is a separation. Uh, my physical death will be that day my soul, my spirit separates from my body, right? Spiritual death is a condition where I'm separated from God. I'm not annihilated. I'm just separated from God if I haven't 
believed on Jesus. Eternal death is a condition where somebody's separated from God, spiritually dead forever and ever and ever. Sorry. Um, now, Jesus does not deny that people will be able to be mean to those who live for him during this life, up to and including Christians actually being killed for living for Jesus. As I mentioned last week, there's never been a time period since shortly after Jesus died where that hasn't been going on somewhere in the world. It still is today. Right? The worst someone could do to a Christian, I suppose from our perspective, would be to cause the death of a Christian. But from a biblical perspective, Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but they, they cannot kill the soul. The worst someone could do to you, and praise God, we don't have to deal with this in our country very often. But the worst someone could do to you is cause pre- from our perspective prematurely, that physical death, that separation of my body from my soul. No one can scratch my soul, my spirit. Nobody can touch my life, my eternal, my ultimate life. So the worst anybody could do is cause something prematurely that would have happened anyway. I don't know how to break this to you. But unless Jesus comes again during your life, you are going to endure your physical death. Like it's going to happen. The worst anybody can do is make that happen earlier than you think maybe it should have. And the awesome thing is in eternal life, God's going to undo what that person did. In eternity, in the resurrection, God's going to take my soul that no one can touch. He's going to perfect and resurrect and purify my body and put my soul back inside my body. He's going to undo the worst thing anybody could. So the worst thing anybody could do is cause a temporary separation that would have happened anyway. They cannot touch your eternity, your eternal life. So Jesus says, a judgment day is coming where some people will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's talk about what you did well. Let me show you what I will reward you with. But other people are going to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And that's the end of the verse where God is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Somebody will. Everybody gets resurrected. Just some get resurrected to eternal life and some get resurrected to eternal death. Body and soul apart from God in hell forever and ever. That's the ultimate reality. Some people are going to spend eternity with God. Some people are going to spend eternity apart from God. Jesus says, keep your fear in the right place. When my fear is what you think of me, what you might believe about me, what you might tell someone else about me, that can, when that's my main fear, it can control my behavior in a way differently than what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is like, remember your judgment. Who are you living for? 
keep the end in mind. Martin Luther nailed this concept of uh, verse 3 of his famous hymn, Mighty Fortress is Our God. He wrote, let goods and kindred go. So let stuff and even people go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth, abideth still. His kingdom is what? His kingdom is forever. Don't be afraid of people who can be mean to you. They cannot hurt you ultimately. And I can show you from elsewhere in Scripture, when they try, the only thing they do is add to your reward. Last week, Jesus said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Who do I want to save me? Me by unfaithfulness or him in eternity? Last reason today, Jesus tells us, don't be afraid of people who can be mean to you if you live for me. He says, don't be afraid because God really, really cares about you. Jesus is, here he is, he's getting ready to send these 12 guys out like sheep surrounded by wolves. Lots of mean things are going to be said toward him and about him. And he knows what will go on in our brains When we find ourselves in a situation where my circumstances start to hurt, start to fall apart, we start to do things like this. Man, maybe I was wrong about this whole God thing. I mean, this Christianity thing ain't all it's cracked up to be. This hurts. Maybe God's asleep. Maybe God's not real. Maybe God's on vacation. Maybe God's punishing me. Maybe I'm getting what I deserve. Maybe I'm too insignificant for God to notice. You ever thought stuff like that? Jesus tells us in verses 29 through 31, that's not true by a long shot. He asks his disciples rhetorically, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Even all the hairs on your head are numbered, so do not be afraid. You're more valuable than many sparrows. When his original audience heard talk about buying and selling sparrows, by the way, by the, way the Greek word is not necessarily, it's just any little Tweety bird. Excuse me. Any little bird. Is, they, what they would have thought of is cheap, expendable. It was the cheapest thing sold at market. They sold for one thirty-second of a day's wage in Jesus' day. Uh, the, the smallest coin available to them is why our translations say penny. Here's how cheap little Tweety Birds were. If you just wanted to buy one of them, and you bought one and gave them a penny, the, the, the store, the shopkeeper would owe you change, but would have no ability to give you change because you can't change a penny. Right? They're two for a penny. This is... Jesus is just like, all right, what can, I, what can I make you think cheap and expendable? I know, sparrows. You know how cheap and expendable sparrows are, and nobody cares about sparrows, and sparrows are insignificant, and when you're driving down the road and the, and the one doesn't get off the highway quick enough and you smack that thing with the grill of your car, you think about it for two miles, and you never think about it again. You know why? It's a sparrow. Jesus says, 
that might be insignificant to you, the way you measure significance and insignificance, God's not like you. We only have so many things we can really care about. We have to prioritize what we really care about. God says, Jesus says, God's eternal. He can think about everything all at once. He said, Jesus says, even Tweety birds don't die apart outside of God's sovereignty, and he notices and he cares. When he says, even all the hairs on your head are numbered, I don't even know what this really says. This does not say God knows how many hairs are on your head, though he does. But it's more than that. And God knows some of you have more than some of the rest of us. But I don't want to talk about it. But Jesus doesn't say, God knows how many hairs are on your head. He says they're numbered, which means they're each individually known. It's not merely that God knows you have 100,746 hairs on your head. He knows which one is 96,246. And when the number decreases by one, he knows which one it was. Oh, that was 17,412. I like that one. It was a little bit longer, had a bit of a curl. (laughs) This is Jesus' way of saying, you think you're insignificant? God knows your hairs. God knows Tweety Birds and everything in between. I believe if they had had knowledge of single cell organisms, Jesus would have said, God knows when an amoeba dies. God knows when a paramecium dies in the pond. You think you're insignificant? You don't know my father. Here's what Jesus is saying here. You matter to God. You matter to God. He cares about Tweety Birds and Hares, and Jesus is saying, and we all know you're more important than they are. You're you're made in His image. He really, really cares for you. So you may be, I don't know what you're going through right now, you may be experiencing something truly awful right now. Or your time might be coming. But here's what I can tell you. When you go through that, it is not because God doesn't care. It's not. He really, really cares about you. He may, you may find yourself in an opportunity where I can now demonstrate in a powerful way, God, you don't have to perform up to my expectations before I will love you. You ever felt love like that? If I perform to a certain level, I'll get some approval and some love. God's not like that. And I don't want to be like that toward God. God loved me at my worst. God loved you at your worst. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? The next time I, the next time you, the next time we are going through something difficult, terrible, painful, here's what we can do. God, I know this does not mean you don't care. You see what's going on. And I want you to know, you do not have to perform up to my expectations. You do not have to do what I want you to do for me to love you. I love you anyway. And I know you love me because I'm worth more than sparrows. 
Jesus sums this up in the last two verses. He writes the conclusion for me again. I love when God does this. Sometimes he, he writes the conclusion for me. makes my job a lot easier. Thank you, Jesus. This, these two verses sum up this entire passage. It sums up everything we've learned in the last two weeks when Jesus says this. In summary, he says, whoever then acknowledges me before people, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before people, I will deny him also before my Father in heaven. A few minutes ago from verse 26, Jesus told us not to be afraid of people because there's nothing hidden that won't be revealed, right? There's nothing secret that won't be made known. When? In the judgment, right? It's all going to come out. You want to know what that looks like? These two verses right here. (laughs) This is what secret things being revealed in one case will look like. You know, just yesterday we had graduation here in Chase County, right? It's not a bad look from our perspective trying to make sense of, of Judgment Day, right? You don't go up there and, and some students get cast into hell and some get on to eternal life, right? No judgment. Everybody's the same in every individual judgment. Well, what happened yesterday is... Uh, Casey, did you walk at your graduation? What's your middle name? Casey Ann Bubach, right? Right, so they're up on stage. She's clothed in her special cap and gown. Casey Ann Bubach. And, and she walks out there on stage for everybody to see. And her, whatever, superintendent in high school, whoever it is for her, they have this nice little diploma and a little thing that says this is the reward. This is based on her behavior over the last four years. Here is what she has earned, right? She's got her special outfit. Her name is proclaimed before everybody. She gets that. All right, next person up. You know, in, uh, in the book of Revelation, we see a scene that's kind of similar to that. The stakes are a little bit higher. But in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, Jesus says this, the one who overcomes, by the way, how do we overcome? What is it that overcomes the world? Our faith. The one who lives faithfully, who endures by faith. Jesus says two things about a person like that. First, I will never erase. And I emphasize that because he did. It's the strongest negation available in Greek. It was used right here. I will never, ever, there's no chance, write it down, bank on it, no possible way, I will erase his or her name from the book of life. But look what he will do. I will declare his name before my father and before his angels. Here's what's coming at judgment. I believe this absolutely literally. Something like Casey Ann Bubak. Walk up there on stage. Let me tell you about the time she told her roommate about Jesus. Right? Chad Fisher. There was this time at work, somebody was having a really tough time. He called him into his office. He cared about somebody like I cared about him. 
Tana, Hannah. Hey, there was this time she was going through a really rough time. She could see outside of her pain. She cared about somebody else. She acted like Jesus. I want everybody to know over and over and over. Whoever acknowledges me before people, I will acknowledge them before my Father and before His angels. You know the way I would translate that? In front of God and everybody. Now the flip side of that is the times we chicken out, <laughs> yeah, those are going to be revealed too. And that will be less fun. But that's why judgment is a motivator. We're not told about judgment to give us something to try to not think about and forget about. No, I don't want to think about that. I don't want my God is a God of love, not a God of judgment. Listen, there's not going to be anything more apparent than the God of judgment is also the God of love. You know why? Because we won't spend eternity in hell. Because the God of judgment is the God who cares about us who died in our place, who endured our punishment so that there's none of that left for us. Those places where we chicken out as Christians, where we fail, where we fall flat, where we flop, we do not have to pay the penalty those sins deserve. That's over. We will just miss the opportunity to hear whatever story we could have heard about that time when he declares our name before God and everybody. That's why we we live not trying to forget about judgment. We live with our judgment right here and right here. Life is short. Eternity long. It's once for men to die and then the what? Then the judgment. It's going to be a big day. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a fun day. But what we do now will matter then. What we do now doesn't get us into heaven. What he did then gets us into heaven. But the truth of the coming judgment encourages us to live this day with an eye on that day. And remembering there's so many people The worst that's going to happen to to you and I as Christians covered in the blood of Christ is we're going to hear a series of missed opportunities and spend eternity in glory. There are other folks who hear, depart from me, I never knew you. It's our job to try and take the truth to those people now. So the fewer and fewer people have to hear those terrible words. So what does judgment do for us to sum all this up? How does the coming judgment give us comfort now? First, the truth of the coming judgment helps us remember that the truth will be revealed forever. All we have to do is live faithfully right now. The truth will be known. I do not have to control the message, spin things, control what people believe about me. That's all going to come out at the judgment. 
It's also true that no matter how good I am about making people believe things about me that maybe aren't true, like the truth is going to come out. So just live faithfully, with integrity for Jesus. And wait for the judgment for people to believe the truth. Second, the truth of my coming judgment helps me remember that I can't be hurt here ultimately. Even if I am, it will make my judgment better. Do you know that day, I believe we will be in the audience and we'll have plenty of time to kill and we won't get bored, I promise. I can't wait to hear the stories of people who are executed for the name of Jesus Christ. The worst anybody could do to them was done. And man, are they going to have a story to tell. And the crowd goes wild. My judgment helps me remember, I can't be hurt here, ultimately. I am spiritually and eternally bulletproof. Third, from this passage, we're reminded, God really, really cares about me. He sees, he knows, he cares, he loves. And finally, the judgment, the truth of the coming judgment reminds me to be controlled by the right fear. Not what you think of me, not what other people might believe about me, not even what might happen to me. But just the the awe and the reverence I have for my God and, and And how do I want that day to play out? So I live for this day with an eye on that day. Won't you pray with me and we'll finish. Father God, I thank you so much that our, the punishment, that judgment, your wrath was already poured out for those who believe on Jesus. There is no more. For we know that there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. And thank you for the reminder of our coming judgment. That our judgment is coming not because you're mean, but because you're fair. And we can depend on your justice, your fairness, your goodness to repay whatever that it's unfair and unjust that happens to us down here. You are a God of justice. You are fair, you see, and you love, and the truth will be brought to light. That is so comforting to know, Lord. Thank you that 100% of the people will know what is 100% true, and it will be 100% accepted. God, thank you for the motivation. Thank you for telling us about the judgment that you might motivate our hearts to live today with an eye toward that day. We can't wait to see you. But in the meantime, let us live for you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.